Did you know that you can stream the best of HBO shows and more with the new Astro? Better than before. No rain interruptions, no repeats. Just stream anytime and on demand via the Astro Ultrabox. It starts from only RM5990 a month, and you can find out more information at astro.com. Dot my. You're listening to the Goggler Podcast, Bahir and Uma with you, and we're going to be talking today about Ridley Scott's Napoleon. We've been waiting for this movie for a very long time. It has nothing to do with the Stanley Kubrick Napoleon. At first, when they announced this movie, I thought Ridley Scott had taken up the mantle of producing what is widely referred to as the greatest movie never made, right alongside Hodorowsky's Dune, Stanley Kubrick's version of Napoleon. There's this massive fashion volume that kind of collects all of Stanley Kubrick's notes. And, you know, he had gone deep into the production of this thing and then kind of gave up, primarily because it feels like an impossible story to tell. This, however, I will say is Ridley Scott's version of Napoleon. Version being the key word here. It's written by David Scarpa. It stars Joaquin Phoenix as the emperor, king, dictator, whatever you want to call him, and Vanessa Kirby as Josephine, his empress and his queen. I think this is one of the most fascinating biopics I've seen in a very long time because it completely breaks the mold of what we expect from one of these movies. Now, I don't know about you, Bahe, but I'll be honest, a lot of the time going into these biopics, I feel very apprehensive and I have to get myself into the right brain space because a lot of the time they feel like the same thing. Like the beats are the same. The conflicts are often the same. There are father issues or mommy issues. There's a strange love story on the side and then there is this moral quandary about whether or not this person was a hero or a villain and you know how history has to decide i think ridley scott hasn't made a biopic i think he's made a satire and i fucking love him for it ridley scott has essentially thrown away the book on how to make a biopic right he doesn't care about the questions of morality he doesn't care about the questions of whether or not we need to see the guy's birth and his deathbed and all of that stuff. Ridley Scott has essentially decided, you know what, fuck it, I'm going to make a movie. I'm going to tell a story that I think is interesting. You can change out the name Napoleon for any other French name and the movie would be great. It doesn't need to be the central thesis on this man that we've all heard of. And I think... That's what makes this movie the most interesting. You hit the nail on the head. It is not the definitive story of who Napoleon is, which, yeah. what, which is what every fucking director and author tries to do, right? Every time they put out yeah. such a work, they're like, yes, this is the final say. I've spent 17 years writing this script. I've followed in his footsteps on a horse. No, fuck that. I don't need that, right? If it makes cinematic sense for Napoleon to fire cannonballs at the pyramid? Sure, why the fuck not? Let's go. Ridley Scott doesn't give a fuck, right? Here, like you said, Napoleon fires cannonballs at the pyramids. He's also there to witness the beheading of Marie Antoinette, which I don't think he actually was, but who knows? I wasn't there. I don't know. But also, also, the reason I call this a satire is because 
there is so much that happens that de-glorifies Napoleon. I think there is some acknowledgement as to his war strategy and maybe some genius he may have had. But at the same time, the closest comparison I can think of is Stanley Kubrick's Barry Lyndon, where it features a character who stumbles and lies his way into success. Mm. And that is probably why the French hate this movie so much. Like some of the early reviews that we've seen have the British praising this film and the French almost unanimously hating on it. It's a problem of not coming into a film like this with an open mind because we both walked into this expecting a Napoleon biopic. But then about halfway through, you leaned over and you said, look, Napoleon isn't cool here. He isn't made out to be the hero. He's not stumbling across the battlefield. Yeah, he still knows what he's doing. But there's an insane amount of good fortune that follows him along the way, right? For example, that first battle, I can't remember the name of the battle. It's some French town where he goes and tries and essentially recaptures a fort from the British. There's a very important bit before that where he says, you don't go after the city, you go after the fort because once you get the fort, you get the city, which is where the French military had failed up to that point, right? But when he makes that attack on the fort, you see him having to psych himself up. Ridley Scott gets Joaquin Phoenix on a horse, just sort of talking to himself, trying to psych himself up to join the battle. You can't really hear what he's saying as well. He's like mumbling under his breath. He's breathing heavily. It feels like a guy who's having an anxiety attack. You almost feel like asking if this is his first sort of sight of action almost. And even then, once he finally psychs himself up, he makes this valiant charge to get to the battlefield, his horse is immediately blown off under him by a fucking cannonball, right? And I think that's kind of the point. Ridley Scott never shows Napoleon as this all-conquering, all-magnificent man. He does the politics stuff really well, Napoleon Bonaparte, but maybe it would have been better had he had a general next to him and sort of talked him out of certain things. Because that's the whole idea, right? He is literally this nobody army schmo who ends up becoming emperor of France. Yeah. And throughout the movie, that insecurity is apparent. Insecurity is a strong word. Insecurity is the right word, right? He's never super confident about what he's doing. He's, he's always just like... Oh, sure, you want me to be this guy? Sure, I can do that. Here's what I would say to do. And he needs that affirmation from his friends. He needs that affirmation from Josephine. Like, before the movie came out, there was a lot of noise about how this might be a love story between Napoleon and Josephine. And while those elements are there, I think, possibly, it has been cut down for the two-and-a-half-hour cut. Because Ridley Scott has made no bones about the fact that he has a four-hour or four-and-a-half-hour cut which he plans to release on Apple TV+. I don't know what that's going to be like, but at the same time, I think the focus of this movie shifts because this one feels like a study on the idiosyncrasies of what it means to be Napoleon with mm. a minor love story involving Josephine happening at the same time. Like, Vanessa Kirby is very important to the story, and she is absolutely fantastic. But 
the movie's focus is Napoleon and his oddness. Like, this movie, when I say satire, I mean, he wears the hat all the fucking time, man. Even when he's in bed in the film. And we're assuming he's just had sex with Josephine. He's got the fucking hat on. It's hilarious. And it's a choice. What Ridley Scott has done here is to not put this man on a pedestal. And even then, there are no jokes about his height. None at all. Ridley Scott removes the absolute lowest hanging fruit with regards to Napoleon and just makes fun of him as a person, as a general, as a military strategist. Have you seen the movie Time Bandits, Why Do you remember that film, the Terry Gilliam Good movie? Good God, no, I don't think I saw that. I think it's Ian Holm that plays Napoleon. And there is a fantastic joke in that movie where Napoleon is making shit up about other leaders and dictators and how they were all shorter than him. It's just like, Julius Caesar, four feet, five inches. And he just goes on and on and on. And, and yeah, I'm so glad that they kept away from any sort of short joke. Also because he wasn't that short. La. He wasn't that short. That's the biggest thing of all, that he wasn't actually a short person and the Napoleon complex is more of a mental state of mind than it is a physical stature thing. So I was thinking about it, right? And after watching the film, we've only seen it one time and, and I do want to watch it again because I think there's a lot more in this movie that I need to watch it a second time. But there is a quote, a British quote. It's a very English quote, I think, because I've only heard my English friends use it where when they're talking about someone with delusions of grandeur, it's always a case of who does he think he is, Napoleon? Right. Or it's like, look at that guy sitting over there in the corner thinking he's Napoleon. Right, okay. And I feel like that Napoleon delusion, that idea of Napoleon delusion, which is apparently a thing in psychiatry, about this delusional belief about your inflated sense of self, having worth, power knowledge, genius, special identity, etc., etc., feels like the driving theme of this entire movie, right up until the end of the film. And of course, this is not a spoiler. We all know that Napoleon was in exile on an island towards the end of his life. But at the end of this movie, Napoleon is sitting down and telling these kids who are playing in the yard, hey, I'm the guy who did that. And he's essentially... Mm that guy in the corner thinking he's Napoleon. Oh. Like Ridley Scott builds up to this whole thing and it happens throughout the movie where everyone is either going, who the fuck is Napoleon? Or who the fuck do you think you are Napoleon? Right. But he's actually Napoleon. And it feels like that's the running joke throughout this film. That's a great observation. I mean, I hadn't heard of that saying before. And I think if it's an English thing, then fucking Ridley Scott has essentially grown up with it, right? So I feel like this is why the French don't like it. <laughs> eh, as Ridley Scott would say, what do the French know? They don't even like themselves. <laughs> as a piece of cinema, regardless of the historical accuracy of this, I think this is... A very accomplished, if not one of Ridley Scott's best recent works. Agreed. Because he, in 2023, never gives in to the CG stuff. A lot of it feels very real. A lot of it feels very grounded. And that I really, really liked. I liked how the cold battle stuff feels cold. 
yes, I like how the difficulties of war at that time felt difficult on screen. It felt like Ridley Scott really put the work in with regards to the feeling of historical accuracy as opposed to the actual historical accuracy here. I will say, again, this is going back to what you said earlier, Ridley Scott never sort of shows you the battles that Napoleon won clearly. You know, the ones where he wins by seven goals against nil, I think he doesn't bother with those because it's fine. There's no story there. There's no dramatic worth there. But at the same time, Ridley Scott makes it very clear that Napoleon left his military in Egypt because he heard that his wife was having an affair. He literally upped and fucking left his men behind just because he heard a rumor. I think the editing in this movie is also very deliberate. It jumps a lot in that it is constantly moving forward through important dates. And I don't know how much of that has to do with there being a four-hour cut and having to make it into a more cinema-friendly two-and-a-half-hour cut. But even watching this two-and-a-half-hour cut, it feels like choices were made and those were active decisions in the way Scott decided to tell the story. And so I think the movie moves at a proper clip. I think it's incredibly pacey. And I think that works very well because you're never left bored. There is something happening at every moment. And I believe that is a landmark of commercial directors of a certain age. I think if you are a Spielberg or a James Cameron or a Ridley Scott or a Francis Ford Coppola who understands the making of movies for a mass audience, you know what to do. And this is a very conscious choice. Even at his age, Ridley Scott never really throws in the towel and just goes, you know what, fuck it, I'm going to make my movie my way. And if they don't like it, they can kiss my wrinkly ass. He doesn't do that, right? There is a very conscious effort to almost make this a two and a half hour film compared to Scorsese's Killers of the Flower Moon, which ran significantly longer, (laughs) you know? I appreciate that. I really like that there is this cinematic cut that only comes in at two and a half, two forty, because Ridley Scott as the director tells you like, oh, this is the important bits. These are the bits that I want you to see in the cinema. When I release the four hour cut, you can watch it over two days, three days, whatever. I don't care. But this is the two and a half hour cut that you need to watch if you want to watch Ridley Scott's Napoleon. One of the most fascinating things about Ridley Scott, whether you love his movies or hate his movies, and not all of his movies have been winners, but if you go through his filmography, I'd be hard-pressed to name another director who has such a varied filmography. I mean, this is the guy that did Blade Runner, Alien, All the Money in the World, Gladiator, Thelma and Louise, The Martian, House of Gucci. With most directors, you can sense themes. You can come up with certain preoccupations that they may have that run through all of their films. For me, Ridley Scott is one of the few that loves to dabble in story and it doesn't matter what kind of story. Come on, he did fucking G.I. Jane. Yeah, he did G.I. Jane, he did Robin Hood with Russell Crowe in 2010. He did Exodus Gods and Kings. You know, like, you're right. His movies can be a little 
touch and go. But in terms of range, in terms of just flexing that directorial muscle, nobody comes close. No. Even Spielberg doesn't come close. The only similarities in all of those movies would be the kind of care he puts into world building, the kind of visceral fight scenes that he has, all of that. And that's just a question of art and technique, right? Which he does incredibly well. Yeah. As for the historical accuracy of this movie, or any movie for that matter, I think it becomes a moot point. Because at the end of the day, this is a film. And that's not what it's trying to do. This is a character study more than anything else. I was looking online, and I don't know how accurate this number is, but apparently Napoleon Bonaparte features in over 60,000 books since his death in 1821 and in over 100 films, either as a main character or a side character. Now, I don't think there is a consensus in any of those if there have been that many versions of this story. And so to call out Ridley Scott, on historical accuracy when he is clearly putting together a piece of fiction and a character study. It's essentially what Aaron Sorkin did with Steve Jobs. It's what happened in the social network. I don't think that is who Mark Zuckerberg really is, but I think it's a character study on what the world feels Mark Zuckerberg is like. I think all of those things come into play when you're making a piece of fiction. And in that sense, Napoleon succeeds because it gives us some new insight into a historical character. That's the important bit here, right? Because, look, we can't say for sure if Napoleon did or didn't travel through time with Bill and Ted. It's possible. It's possible. We don't know these things, right? But the thing here is that it's a character study. We're not here to discuss whether or not there were three more deaths in that battle than previously said. Because that's not the point. The point here is that the character of Napoleon, again, who's been dead several years, is being told by a storyteller. This isn't a documentary. We don't need him to be historically accurate to the T. We don't need this movie to be a record of whether or not Napoleon shot at the pyramids. Ridley Scott's not saying Napoleon got in a plane and had a battle with yetis in fucking Alaska. That's not the point of this story, right? Even if there was a good character reason to include it, that's not the point of this movie. Basically, what we're telling you is go and watch this movie. It's pretty damn good. It's a Ridley Scott movie, for Christ's sakes. So there's always a minimum level of expertise involved when it comes to such films. Exodus, yes, was a terrible movie, but at the same time... He took a swing. He took a fucking swing at that. He took a swing. It didn't work out. In this yeah. one, he takes a massive swing, and we think it kind of works. So, check out Napoleon. It opens in cinemas this Thursday, November 30th. Let us know what you think once you've seen it. 
You can reach out on all of our social media feeds, GogglerMY. You can also email us on podcast at goggler.my or send us a WhatsApp on the Goggler hotline, 012-524-5208. Don't forget, you can also talk to us on our brand new Discord server. So drop us a line on any one of those channels and we will send you a link to join. Thank you so much for listening. This is the Goggler Podcast.